Hello and welcome to Sounds Heal Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Brown, and thank you so much for joining me as we continue to explore the fields of sound healing, sound therapy, and generally the use of sound for health and wellness. Today, our guest is Peter May, who is a musician, he's a Grammy award-winning producer, and most importantly, I would think, is his combination of nature conservation work and wilderness work with his sound explorations. And we talk about this combination that's come to be his sonic apothecary, where he offers sound journeys. And he's been offering sound journeys since 2008, combining natural instruments like the didgeridoo and conch shell with using a device such as the professional version of Music of the Plants, which connects to a plant and interprets its electric signal into sound, into music. And what he has discovered is that you don't actually even need the electronic device to have nature, a tree, a plant respond. So absolutely fascinating work that he is doing. He's also doing oil distilling. And if you go to his journeys, you get to experience some of these oils as well. And he's just learning so much about the healing qualities of nature, the healing qualities of the forest. So I also want to mention that because he is in the mountains of Colorado, initially the connection is not great. I did my very best to edit out uh, those glitches, but there are a couple still in there, uh, but we managed to um, completely remove them uh, in the second half. Uh, So hopefully you don't notice them, but if so, thanks for being patient. And it's really a a wonderful conversation. So I, I hope you enjoy it. This podcast is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa, located in Sarasota, Florida, and also on the web at theohmshop.com. The Ohm Shop is the country's largest showroom of vibrational tools. They also have workshops and trainings and a lot of resources, and they're just very helpful. If you're looking for assistance for instruments and just kind of to up-level your sound healing practitioner tools. They also have a luxury spa there in Sarasota, Florida. And again, they're on the web at theohmshop.com. So thank you so much for their support and sponsorship. And thank you all for being here for this episode with Peter May. Please enjoy. All right. Well, welcome, Peter. Thanks so much for, for joining me for this conversation. Great to have you. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah. Nice to nice to be with you and, and explore the world of sound and healing together. Yes, absolutely. And uh what's so beautiful, um, you know, kind of getting to know you through so reading some things is uh your different um interests, your different backgrounds, both from conservation and nature work and um, you know, fire management to being a musician and producer um and, and, and working um working with plants and oils. It's just really interesting. And uh, you're an athlete as well. I understand a triathlete. So it's kind of amazing seeing that um, you've, you've taken yourself into these different interests, but also how so many of them have merged into what you're doing now. So I thought it would be great to start with your background a bit and talk about 
these things that initially inspired you when you're younger. And maybe you could just uh, broadly describe your musical background, how you got into music, but then let's get into nature uh, and your, your fascination um, with the exploration of nature as well. Yeah, you know, um, I've had to write a few um, kind of biographies for different, and so I'm, I've kind of have a few highlights to share. And one of the main things is I grew up in a musical household, and um, my mom was in the uh, the band at the University of Michigan. She played the the bass drum, may have been the marching band, um, and then my dad sang. And so my brother and sister and I, when when fourth grade came around, we all got a chance to choose an instrument. I grew up in that era where everybody had that, you know, they gave you a test and then they kind of like said, oh, you'd be good at this and you'd be good at that. And I wanted to play the drums because I thought that was the coolest thing and ended up playing cornet. Okay. And so we had band training from fourth grade all the way through high school. And that meant um, concert band, um, kind of traditional concert band. And then um, in high school, uh, jazz band and marching band, and then also symphony. And probably the experience that drove home the or, or connected music with nature the most was attending um, Blue Lake Fine Arts Camp in uh, in Western Michigan. And there were scholarships that would come through and and you could apply for them and I would get one. And then I ended up going there five years, two in the junior camp and three at the the older camp as it was. And then the last two years I did jazz. The interesting thing about that camp is they had people like uh, Count Basie there and Buddy Rich and they had Aaron Copeland. And I had no idea who these people were. I mean, other than they were celebrated and the the quality and the caliber of music I got used to, like, this is what it's like to be good or like really good or like outstanding. And so I would, on my lunch, I wasn't in the symphony then, and I'd walk down from the dining hall and I would sit uh, in the pavilion seating under these big tall pine trees and the pavilion's right there. And then the lake, Little Blue Lake is behind and there'd be this crazy conductor guy with with white hair all over the place, conducting what turned out to be his own symphonies, and that's Aaron Copeland. Um, and the thing we share, he and I, is that we both have the same birthdays in, in terms of November 14th. So there was an affinity, and I never knew that, but I just was drawn to that just naturally. And that's where the seed got planted is, oh, music and nature kind of go together. You know, and a lot of people don't really put together playing outside unless it's in a pavilion. And we would do that with the jazz band. We would do these concerts from that camp and obviously marching band um, in venues and parades. But how often is it do we just go out in the woods and do that, right? Not, not so often, but people do it now, especially. And so my brother, when I was in um, probably 10th or 11th grade, he, he was going to College of the Atlantic in uh, in Bar Harbor, Maine, and he attended a concert with Paul Winter. And so he sent me some of his music and I started to listen to it. And as I would later learn by meeting Paul that he likes to free the 
the uh, traditional or the uh, concert musician from only reading music and to be free of that, still take all the training, still take all of that um, uh, sensitivity to sound and how to, how to um, create sound and then to add to that. And then Paul took, it took that to a different level as I followed him and I was very fortunate to meet him um, later uh, when I moved to Colorado and we ended up doing that CD together called Crestone. And what he does and being with him is he, um, he likes to reveal the music that, that is in nature. And then we got to experience that firsthand. And that was very um, uh, kind of like um, fulfilling to hear him say that because in college, I was listening to some of his music and I went to a friend's room and I said to her, um, how does, how do you think music kind of like this and nature go together? And I was kind of pointing to her boom box, you know, they used to have boom boxes and stuff. And she goes, it was weird because she goes, um, I was just thinking about that the other day. And that was very, very, very my question. It's like, how does it go together? It was, is music just a human creation? Basically is the question. Is it just human or does it exist on its own? Or are we part of it? You know, this whole thing, right? Um, and so one particular winter solstice where I live in, in Colorado, I went up on my skis with my dogs and I got my trumpet and knowing that Paul did this, you know, he plays for the, he went down the Grand Canyon. I saw that video of, of him recording in the Grand Canyon with Eugene Friesen. And I remember the video um, of Eugene being at the front of the raft, going through one of the major rapids and, and his cello is strapped to the raft. And that image is obviously still in me and it lives in me. Um, and because they, they created the, the, the CD, the album called Canyon, which was also my introduction to sound healing because I could put on Grand Canyon Sunset, listen to it and ground so much that, that uh, you know, if I was like feeling sick or the flu or something, I, I was able to feel that grounding enough or the support to, to get over that very quickly. And so anyways, I went up to this particular meadow. It's, a, it's just under 10,000 feet and I played my trumpet. And the, the nature of this meadow is it takes whatever sound you give to it and it brings it back in a reverberation echoes and things. And so I was playing all Paul Winter's winter song album because I knew it by heart. I mean, I, I just knew it. And I played and played and played until my, and, and just listened to the echoes and reverberations. And I played until my hands could not move anymore because it was cold. You know, there's two feet of snow. And so I stopped and I just listened to the last echoes and reverberations in this little meadow. And there's nobody there. My dogs are sleeping. They're snow dogs. They're, they're fine. And I noticed that there was no sound because there's no insects, there's no wind. And the only sound was the sound of me um, moving my feet in the snow, you know, a little crunchy sound. So I said, oh, well, maybe I could listen to it, to that no sound. Because how often do we get that anywhere anymore? And so I listened and I kind of got into it. And about 10 minutes later, this music, like a symphony, 
came from around the mountains and played back to me. And it wasn't a long lost reverberation or echo. This was a different quality of music. And um, I couldn't really ask my dogs if they heard it. They didn't seem to hear it. Um, and so I kept that quiet for a number of years, you know, cause that's definitely a crazy thing. And so my good friend, John Milton, who, who helps people out on like a vision quest type of thing, he calls them nature quests. He was talking in the coffee shop where I live and he goes, Oh, um, yeah, there's a, uh, there's a uh, music in the mountains. And uh, apparently some of his people hear it, um, after being out for days or weeks or something. And I said, well, John, you know, I've heard that music. He goes, really, how long were you out? And I go, and I said, well, I was out for a couple hours. He goes, really? And you heard it? And I said, yeah. And I had to think about that because if it takes some people a lot longer, I said, what is the difference? And one of the biggest secrets was revealed. And that secret was I offered my music and then I listened to the silence and then gave it an opportunity to respond. And we still do that. When I teach people improvisation, I, I, I guide them uh, in listening to the silence while they're playing, which is a whole another trick. And because Paul teaches something called adventures in sound play, where you take um, like four people and you have an instrument you can play and you go into the dark and you're gonna be guided to listen and respond. And so as you do this, um, all of a sudden you get this other sense and you can't see, so you have to rely on your hearing. So somebody begins and then someone answers and it's call and response, call and response. And Paul actually does this uh, in his concert at, at least one piece every every concert, usually. And the funny thing is now is um that particular uh, occurrence up at, um, up at this high meadow, um, Later, I would come to know that there's uh, a lady uh, came up to me and in where I live and said, I have a machine that help, helps the, the trees sing. And I didn't believe her. So I said, I'll meet with you. And so we got together and we plugged in the tree and it made a, made a sound. And I go, it's interesting. It made one sound. It's not that big a deal. And so I said, can we do anything else? And said, well, maybe we can play instruments to it. So for sounds ourselves and talk to it and. So I did, and at the end of two hours, it was playing what back to me what I played to it, and it turned out that that music coming out of what's called the Dominher Music of the Plants device, the U1 professional model that she had then, was very, very similar to what I heard up high naturally. And those things started to come together um, because that music is now expressed to the plants. And it's not limited to the plants and like we just did in Hawaii and other places and here. And please don't tell the Dominher people either. I'm telling you all these things not to say I'm kind of kidding too, is that we can also express the sound through through stones. And we're hoping to do a concert at some point at one of the major venues here in Colorado that has is known for its rocks because it has heard so many, so many uh, bands over time. And what's kind of remarkable is that during some of our concerts, um, that phenomenon of a plant or something else coming through in the concert will happen. And that plant or whatever it is, is not plugged in.
And so it's like the dimension of, of whatever allows that to happen is opening. And we kind of, uh, in 2006, I started distilling the oils. And then by 2008, we were doing these kind of mini journeys with, with the trace elements and the oils. And they were, it turns out, I learned later, but I knew that that particular formulation is triggered by sound. And it's a very exact sound. And that sound, I have it right here, is 528 hertz. And it's, it's not that it's the only healing frequency, but it's one of them. And going back now to up high when we did the Crestone CD, um, Paul invited me to play the conch shells, which I've been playing for years. And so he wanted me to play with Koji Nakamura from Japan, and he was playing the taiko drums. And on that particular project, I was the expedition manager, and so I had to get the giant taiko drum up there, which was its own deal. We went up to you know about twelve thousand feet. And, you know, it's, it's a it's a hiking trail. It's four things. It, it was a challenge, but we get it up there, and I'm on one side of the lake, Koji's on the other, and Paul says, "Let's see what you got." And so I play and then Koji plays and it's not so good. You know, we did it for a little bit and it's not so good. He goes, let's, let's take a moment. Paul goes. And so something shifted and all of a sudden we, he, Koji and I got into it. Energy built. Um, and I remember the last note I hit was on my conch show was um, the tonic note. And then it went up to seventh, I later learned. And that seventh, as I played it, um, it's almost like an octave, but just below, the thunder started thundering um, quite. And this is September or October, early October. And nobody knew what to think, but Paul just turns to me and goes, would you come to New York City and play in my Solstice concerts? And so I ended up doing that a number of times. And so later on, I wondered what was that frequency. And so I sounded it out and it's a, it's a bigger conch shell. And, and so it turns out to be 528 Hertz. And so that particular frequency kept coming up to me. And because this is, um, you know, going out to a sound healing audience, um, I'm going to keep coming back to this is, this is the frequency that works for me. It may work for you. And it's really about you, you know, and what you resonate with. And yes, do the birds sing in it? Yes. Do the bison? Yes. Do the coyotes and wolves? Yes. Do, you know, so many things sing in it. And we all know that birds have calls, like territorial calls, mating calls. And what happened um, here was that I started, which is right here. This is, this is a bowl that was brought to me from Nepal. Um, here we go. It's a Tibetan singing bowl. And... Um, Turns out, and I don't know how it got in there, but it's 530 hertz. So it's a two hertz binaural. And I, I get into the binaurals with my didgeridoo. And I started to play it with some birds. And these birds have, I think it was like, maybe it was a metal arc or something. But they started to sing not their identified calls. They started to improvise. Okay. And we often like to classify things as, yeah, that's a bird, it makes this sound. And that's it. And I think, I think most of nature is not as limited as we think it is. So 
that that bowl, you know, my friend brought it to me, and it's someone's it's someone's soul uh, bowl, and they must have passed on and went to a shop or whatever. But every time someone's born there, they they give them, they make them a bowl, and that is their bowl for their life. It's kind of cool. It connects them to their soul. Um, but a lot of things there, that was kind of like a run-on mandala of of a way of kind of giving that that background of of how one thing led to another, led to another. Yeah. You know, I now have at least at least two of those Dominher music of the plant machines. Um and yeah, let's yeah. talk about those machines so a little bit, actually. That might be helpful for those that haven't. I have one of the, um, it must not be the professional one. You know, it looks kind of like a iPod, you know, shape. Um, but I do know that, right, you place a sensor at the roots. You can put uh, the other sensor on a leaf and maybe just talk about, well, how is it creating sound? How is it interpreting the plant into music? Maybe just describe that a little bit. From my understanding, inside that machine is what's called a Wheatstone Bridge, the 1800s, and it's a measure of the electrical current between two things. So in a sense, like you said, it's the root or the conductivity, and then the leaf or the flower or the needle. And then that Wheatstone Bridge can transfer signal difference into a component, which in this case, I believe it's a, it's a MIDI. And then the MIDI then can translate it into a synthesizer, and you can pick the sound on, on that. Um, as we have seen, you actually need to do, it. Um, but it certainly helps, uh, because most people cannot or do not have the opportunity to connect with like a deep sense of silence, and um, you can do it with your own hands. You know, you can get your own tone. You can plug into a plant and then do a chain with yourself in the plant. We once uh, did maybe um, one or two plants and like 30 people and got sounds. Um, you can do, like I said, stones. So that isn't probably something they they recommend yet. Uh, stones can be very, very um, um, alive in, in, the, in the musical sense. And then sometimes you can... Like on Shasta, the device was picking up things in the in the air, and it was singing from the air. Yes, I'm into all this stuff, and it can be be too much at times. But when it does come together, it can be amazing and miraculous. And so here's an example. Okay, so here's the story about um, a friend uh, who had uh, done a lot of Ironmans, like ten or eleven like a crazy amount of Ironmans. And that's that crazy race of swimming and and biking, swimming two miles, biking 112, and then running a marathon. This is a crazy race. Um, and so he called me around this time of year, a few years ago, and said, um, hey, I, I can't get out of bed. I have two herniated discs. And he told me all his therapies. And I said, well, well what do you want me to do? Come over there? And he goes, I'll try anything because I'm – I'm alternative in a sense, you know, and I, and I, I know things work uh, and they can work, not always, but it's certainly worth a try. And so I go over there, it's a couple hours away and I put the pinion resin on him because I know that's good for healing, uh, especially necrosis, frostbite and severed tendons and sprains and strains. And it's because it has our DNA in it. And that's how a tree heals. 
and that's to how we can heal. And then I put uh, the essential oil in a, in like a trace element bath and I soaked it, his back. And then I played, this is kind of like where the sound comes in because you all sometimes want to activate and you're not just activating him, you're activating you and your electromagnetic field. Okay, and then we haven't even approached that yet, but but this is really important. I think many of us who are into this have other words for that, but I'm going to use that word. Um, and so I played the pine, the pinion pine recorded music. And I was just sitting there with him. And um, he went to sleep and I, I slept over um, and we woke up and and he gets up and from the other room, he goes, oh, I'm so sore. I got to go take a bath, which apparently he was taking baths. and. He could only get transported in a, in a station wagon, lying down. And so he gets out of the bath. He goes, you know, I don't feel, I actually feel really good. I feel so good. We can go out to breakfast, which we would do together. So we go out to breakfast. Then he goes, I think I can go get my mail, which is across the street. We ended up skiing five miles that day. And, and it blew his mind. And it blew the town's mind that he could heal that rapidly. And so... I remember now that, that the idea of sound healing is amazing on its own, but then to to incorporate and integrate other things that can be hugely, hugely effective, maybe on their own, but then it becomes the alchemy, the integrated alchemy. And in this sense, the pinion pine oil from from our adventures with the French and how they can analyze our oils, it contains 7% sesquiterpenes and 70% monoterpenes. And that then basically feeds your pineal gland and it helps your body communicate with itself from one of the most powerful places, which is your third eye. And ideally to get it in coherence with your heart and then ideally with, with your navel, you know, the three brains, get the three brains going and, and then to, you know, sound can be very helpful in activating that. And that is one of the things I do is we call it a, a gentle lightning journey or a chakra journey where you're putting things on the different chakras, um, different formulations, such as um, the first one is called precursor. It's clove, cinnamon, and oregano because that contains hematerpenes and it's good for clearing out. The second one is sandalwood and pinion pine and the sandalwood and pinion pine together in the trace elements, it contains a lot of sesquiterpenes which then removes what was cleaned out then promotes the natural occurrence of human growth hormone. And then the third one is gold, frankincense, myrrh, and pinion pine, which is a very kind of, you know, ancient recipe. And that's because it contains uh, the monoterpenes, which feeds the pineal, and then the gold conducts it. And those are then tuned and activated by 528 hertz. Wow, that's beautiful that you're not only infusing these these natural oils but that you're kind of acoustically tuning them and as well and i guess probably incorporating them in your sound journeys at times um yeah maybe talk a little bit about how this comes together i know i have uh, someone that has experienced an event of yours in sedona um so you're using real uh, life instruments like the didgeridoo, the conch shell. You're using music of the plants, which is interpreting uh, kind of the signals from, from trees and plants into music. Um, and then you've got kind of nature responding. What, 
what have some of the experiences been? You can mention that one in Sedona or anything else you've done recently. Uh, what does that look like? What are you kind of doing for the journey? And maybe some of the ex really cool experiences that you or other people have had with it. Yeah. Um, so the journey is, um, it uses several formulations. And the first three I just mentioned, uh, that's known as the intuition kit, intuition support kit. And that can be used on its own and then activated by the sound, especially a binaural. Um, especially if you use a um, two instruments and giving you more of the, uh, the theta state binaural, um, which for everyone can be different, but between maybe five and eight hertz difference. And I do that intentionally on my didgeridoo. I practice. I get two sound generators. I hear that. And then I duplicate it on my didgeridoo. I generally don't use a lot of electronics in my work. Um, though I do because the plants sing electronically. They also sing organically too. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm not opposed to electronic, but if I do use electronic, I try to always use at least one, if not several um, acoustic instruments so that the wavelengths are balanced and you're getting all what I call the nutrients of the music from you know someone's voice or from an acoustic instrument. These days, a lot of the electronic music is highly refined, kind of like white bread. And white bread can be useful. I generally don't eat it, but I use it as a poultice with milk. It's amazing. But I don't tend to eat it a lot. And so um, I'm not, we're just using it with in the right place. And so that's the way the plants can sing. So I am using it because I have experience that it does um, provide a connection for people to help them heal. And so we have the first three formulations, and that's generally the head region. And we have one for the heart called Compassion, Compassion Star Nectar, and then one for the feet, uh, knees, and, and or perineum root chakra area. And that's, and then an internal one called um, Internal Rose. Those are introduced um, one by one, and then they're triggered by either 528 activated for the top, and then 639. And I'm using the Salvaggio set during this whole thing. Um, and just so everyone knows, that would be 396, 417, uh, 528, 639, 741, and 852, and sometimes others. But then I also have bells that are in the octaves of the 528. So I have um, 66 and 132. And so for each one, I have like a sequence. And I do the same sequence every time. And so over time, you probably don't need the formulations. And over time, you might not need the sound. And over time, you might not need any of it. And that's when I train people to do this. Their test is to be able to give a journey without the sound and without the formulations. But to go back to it every now and then to make sure you're not fooling yourself. And we are looking for results. And the results here might be a centeredness in the person that you're working with or the people. And so the journeys can be one person. They can be 108 people. I'm hoping to do a gathering of 1,000 at some point. And maybe even at some point, if it's appropriate, 100,000. You know, that's kind of like the pie in the sky, like like a college football stadium. Where I went to college, it was, it was a big stadium. And it could fit about 108,000 people in it. Um, and just imagine that, almost like a chakra lighting up on the planet. 
when you get 108,000 people centered and healing all together at once. Um, that's a grand vision, but who knows, maybe it'll come true. And so we do these journeys and, and then during, once you're open and the chakras are aligned, we can also then maybe attend to the other chakras with what we call the chakra journey, which is then attending to the navel. And we have a very special one for that. It's called secret fire where we light the fire within. We also put one on the, uh, uh, the second chakra and, and then we put on things where you might be needing healing, such as like physical healing, such as emotional healing, such as mental healing or spiritual healing. If you have a connection, you put, um, I have an, uh, a cream for pain. You put that one on the physical, the rose will work for emotional. And then the mental is the, um, is the, uh, um, intuition, uh, star nectar, and then any other dimensions you might want to address. And it can work with other formulations too. And then we start the journey and this is where the plant, the plant can now be utilized. And sometimes I pick an oregano because oregano is good for clearing. And it, oregano seems to be the universal translator in the plant world, at least one of them. Sometimes because I'm in Colorado, a cannabis plant will play. Those are amazing singers, amazing, because the plants are so alive, they can actually tune into the people that are present and give them the frequency. In Hawaii, we did one last year, and what I've been doing lately is hooking up uh, the Dominher uh, plant device to a sound program, giving the plant a method and a way to play more than one instrument at a time. It can be the whole show now. And in this particular sense, an ashwagandha was singing, you know, an adaptogen. And one person's experience, she had flown a long ways. Her back was really hurting. And the ashwagandha started playing. And I'm playing the didge while this is too. So I'm playing the didge with the plants. And sometimes we'll have singers. Sometimes we'll have a bass player. Um, it's not limited. And remember how I said when Paul would do like... Uh, um, you know, one song all improvised by listening to the silence. And that's my words. Um, basically, all of our journeys and our concerts are almost all improvised now. They're all in the moment. And so we start and this energy comes on. And this energy comes over this lady and pins her to the ground. She cannot move. And then these healing waves go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And she, she's trained to know to not freak out. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and it's good because with a group that does this, it's a life, life coaching group. You know, they're, they're learning to be life coaches for other people. And so when she got up, basically her pain was almost entirely gone. And how I think this is working is it's actually connecting with whatever is causing the pain because we're bringing attention to it. It's almost like the sound is an offering to that part. And then somehow the space, you know, the space in general combines with that, that experience of what I call life force. And then the warmth can come on, come on, on its own. And sometimes this can be very, very rapid, especially as you get, you know, I think, you know, and in your work, you know, you have your own um, pattern, you know, you, you, you're, you know, and everything that comes with you knows what you're doing when you're doing it. 
<laughs> you know, it's like it's coming out. It's coming on right now, and and just because I'm I'm alluding to it, or I'm I'm actually addressing it and 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 um, um, acknowledging it, and I think that's what we're doing for people, and especially if there are trained people in the audience they're going to their center boom now their field's building now it's easier for the other people to build their fields and now it becomes this whole healing field and it's interesting because nature knows what to do because i often i don't know how to heal i know that i mean i can have you know i have intuitions of what to use but it's not me doing the healing that's probably really important and the sound is a an invitation and so one of the um, more recent um, events was we put on a mother tree festival because like you mentioned, I'm into um, fire management. We're now getting into more landscape management with bringing back beavers and, and the fungal networks and um, acknowledging and feeding the mother trees uh, from the work of Suzanne Simard. And it's very much like the movie Avatar where you're plugging in. And so at the end of the conference on the last day, we went out to um, a juniper tree, an older juniper tree with multiple stems at, at this small college campus. And it's not a mother, but it's a father. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a parent tree. It's a historic reference tree. So we put down a product I make called the mother tree food, which is trace elements, affected microorganisms, um, shilajit mud and mycorrhizal fungi. And, and everyone gets a little cup they put it on the tree. And this is how I've fed my mother tree, my pinion pine, it's a pine nut tree. And as I did this over the last eight to 10 years, instead of producing nuts every seven years, they produce nuts every two. And then this last cycle, I fed only her and she fed all of her children. And they all produce nuts. And how I triggered it was with 528 hertz because that is the resonance of the trace elements so this is all just functionality so we put the mother tree food on everybody gets a chance there's like 23 people and then i'm standing up tree said okay now we're going to activate it and i only have one bell um and so i start hitting the bell and to the southwest for some reason this pulse of energy started to emanate out from the tree and people could go what's going on what is this energy and there were two people there, apparently in pain. One woman who was in pain all weekend. And as soon as the energy hit her, it took away all her pain. And the second person does a lot of computer work. And his, well, it's carpal tunnel, whatever. 90% of it was, was relieved instantaneously. And that really threw, you know, like, like what is going on here? The, the questions, what is going on? That's not, that wasn't my intention though I am going to acknowledge it and I will receive that. And so then we were able to do it again and again and again. And that's where the idea and now the reality of healing forests have come forth. Wow. And does it have to be 528? I don't know, but I know that activates the trace elements. Right. Wow. That's amazing. And so much to explore there. Right. And, and does it have to be 528 Hertz? Maybe it doesn't matter, but you found that it does activate that. So why not, why not stick with that? We can wow. stick with that and we can yeah. add over time, you know? Yeah. Right. Like, it's right. Exploring. 
So what's next? What are you, what are you going to explore next <laughs> with it? Do you have a, any particular locations or? Uh, I do. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to share one other story because as I really appreciate, you know, you doing this because it is, I like to keep secrets. And at this point in time, I'm trying to share as many secrets as possible, especially if they'll be helpful. Um, I hope people believe this. I hope they get to experience it. And one of the events that did happen on many, many, I'm up to about in terms of participants in these kind of journeys, whether they're healing journeys or concerts, mainly journeys, about about 9,400 since 2008. And we're on our way to 10,000. And um, a concert, like a like a a concert, a plant concert, we've done many of those, and oftentimes we offer the the formulations to people, and that helps people then uh, get into what I can sometimes call the imaginal realm, the realm of the plants, that kind of dreamy state in between worlds, or in another world. And one of those was in um, uh, a mountain town again nearby. They have a wildflower festival. And I was inspired to do a wildflower CD of plants from there and another ski town. And then here where I live in the mountains and that's called spreading like wildflowers. And it's just basically flowers and birds and a squirrel. But in this particular um, concert, it was a wildflower concert and everybody, there wasn't that many people. It wasn't that big of a selling deal, but I did, I did zoom it. I did multi or a, a stream it the best we could. And the la all the, we had several flowers there like Columbine and um, Pontia and we had the trees there and we actually did a kid's concert too. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. We did the kid's concert and by the second or third song, the kids had no idea what was going on. And the woman that was there, um, the Seraphine, she was actually dressed up as a, as a fairy princess and they came running to our our stage and they they wanted to see like what is going on how are these things doing this and 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 then my friend who had brought all the kids the, the two the two ladies i said to him why did those other two little girls not come and she goes well they're, because they're playing with the two fairies that have come out I said okay so that's really interesting so we did the adult concert and it went amazing. And then the last song, um, uh, the Aspen was singing, the um, Potentia, which is a yellow flowering shrub, and, and, and Seraphine singing, I'm playing the didge and the bells, and it's all, it's amazing, just by itself. Then about 20 ravens um, land on an Aspen tree and they start vocalizing. And then the wind starts playing through the leaves of the other aspen trees, making like a percussive sound. And then the, what I call the thunder or the thunder dragon is, is rolling and it, it comes to play too. And, and the thunder dragon actually opened the concert and the, it, it wasn't going to stop until it was acknowledged. And so the way we acknowledged it was we blew the conch shell and then it stopped within a, within a minute or two. But what's coming when I mean, this is very exciting and, and I'm, I, this, is, this is an invitation for you and for whoever is hearing this, and we're still putting it together, but we're seeing that the healing forests are, are an actuality. And they're pretty simple to set up. You feed your biggest mother tree 
one or two bottles, or depending on how big it is, of the mother tree food. Um, perhaps someday I'll teach people how to make it. Right now it's kind of complex. And you want to, and we're creating a whole network because as soon as you make yours, it's going to connect both through the mycelium in the ground, but also what I call the the prana in the space, you know, that are activated. And so we now have them in Colorado and in Michigan and and Sedona and um, Hawaii, and we'll be doing more. And so if people would like to do that, and but the next thing is is around Christmas time and the solstice. And I'm still going to test this out, but I think it's going to work. We're going to be offering a, a special kind of tree food for Christmas trees, whether they're outside, inside living, and perhaps even the cut trees. Because what's probably going to happen is it's called the Healing Christmas Tree Project. And you can feed your trees. We're going to have very special alchem alchemy, uh, alchemical ornaments that help this. And... And then at a certain point, we're all going to ring it together, whether it's 10 of us or 100 or 1,000, whatever it gets out to, to promote the healing and this network idea um, that, that the trees are helping us with. I never thought the trees, I knew they were healing. I never, this was not even in a dream. This was just paying attention like, oh, is this for real? And then so in Sedona, um, we did a journey. And... Again, it's for the life coaching group. So they're already trained. They're already bringing their presence. Um, I, I, I know that tree because we've done one journey. It's in a vortex. So we feed the tree this time. We didn't feed it before. We didn't know how. And I ring it in and it starts singing. It's all good. It's singing through through the sound program too. So it's got many instruments and it's going along and it's like it's opening up another dimension and needs sometimes to be guided because this is this is nature. This is this is not a potted plant. This is like a wild plant. It's very, very different. And so it starts singing. And we're also doing it on the full moon. And about five minutes or so before the full moon it stops. I'm like, oh no. No, you can't stop now. Cause I kind of go into my thing, like, oh no, what's what do I need to do? And all of a sudden I get, don't do anything. It can be silent. And so right when the first rays moon came over the ridge, it started playing again. And then it emitted the most amazing pinion perfume scent I have ever smelled. I thought that somebody was walked up and spraying perfume all over the place. Everybody else smelled it too. And that is what we're seeing is when we acknowledge the trees, even with our voice and say hello or with sound, they can give ascent like like within a minute or two this is not like you have to wait and wait and wait it's like acknowledging you because it's way more alive than we ever thought wow that one gave me chills yeah it's amazing how much we don't know right we all kind of um have this feeling of a deep connection to nature and how much we need it right how much perhaps we might not get of that silence and that connection uh, to nature in our lives, but it's much deeper and richer than just that, right? That there's there's truly a gift that nature is trying to get us to connect, connect to. Um, that's that's just amazing. Uh, yeah, what a deep connection you have uh, through sound, but also the oils, right? You know, that's vibration as well. Um, 
to this work that you do. It's just absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Natalie. Yeah. No, it's it's been it's it's very wonderful that that you're bringing you know your presence and experience and and, and inviting me in, you know, yes. because yeah. it takes it takes so many of us. It takes as as many of us as we have plus more to know that it that it's much more simple than we think, but also much more complex. Absolutely. And that complexity, I think, is getting to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that sound is definitely one of the most amazing uh, vehicles for this. Right. Right. Just for a deeper connection and expanded awareness. Yeah. Thank you so much, Peter. I, I really hope that I actually know that I'll be able to experience your work in person someday. I just hope it's soon, but I'll definitely next time in Co- I'm in Colorado, uh, see what you're up to. So thank you so much for your beautiful work uh, and may it continue to expand and um, the healing forests. I think you're just on the tip of something extremely important. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. And you know, it's a dual thing. It's, it's healing as one of my friends who's, who loves words, he goes, it's healing forest, healing for us. And it's also healing the forest. And so we have numerous projects where we're making mycelial mounds and then activating them with the sound. And we're going to have bells out in, in the woods that people can hit. Yeah. And again, it's not just the sound. It's also our presence. And like at our local hot springs, there's a there's a healing forest set up with three three larger trees, so people can soak and they can come out and hit the bells, um, and just add to it and add to it. And um, like I said, I, if these are secrets, they're not meant to be. They're meant to be shared. It's just it's not known, and so people can, you know, see if it, see if they're connected to it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast, sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. You can keep up to date on what's coming up next at soundshealstudio.com, on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio, Instagram, Natalie Brown, Sounds Heal. And you can watch previous episodes as well as listen to some sound meditations on the YouTube channel, Sounds Heal Studio. Be well and stay tuned.